0: All right. Hi, everyone. People are coming in early, so I'm going to skip the waiting that I normally do for another few minutes and just get started because we have a lot of friends here with us. And there's a lot to talk about. However, the conversation shapes up. Uh, just basically the idea of this, by the way, this is the beat from Dexy. Forget forgot to introduce myself. The idea is to just review 2023 for DAOs and anything related. Um, not to go through every news piece or anything like that and, and pour over every statistic, but to kind of talk about the different trends uh, that we noticed and our observations, and then maybe even make a few predictions for 2024. Uh, it's awesome to see here Fitchdale, Sarah Ben, now uh, AK Naomi, uh, and a bunch of other awesome friends. So uh, let's Leave it open. Anyone want to speak first? What was the most memorable thing in 2023 for you guys, ideally, about house. Hey, Daniel, you too awesome.
1: Hey, hey. Sorry for the delay. How's everyone doing?
2: We respond with emojis.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all great. We just emoji it up.
2: <laughs> oh, that's it? Oh. Good, good yeah, morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how are you, do, you doing, brother?
0: It's good to see you, bro.
2: How was your Christmas or Hanukkah?
0: <laughs> my Hanukkah was wonderful, all eight days of it. Uh, my Christmas was kind of uneventful because in, uh, in the Holy Land, it's a bit different right now. Uh, and I wanted to go to Nazareth, but didn't quite make it. So, anyway, here we are in the virtual land. Um, I did, not, that, I
2: did so not that. expect that conversation to go there. So uh, I've had, yeah, I've had yeah. enough Middle East politics in spaces for I know, I'm trying to
0: that way, it's like, not, not on air, not on public, all that. Happy to talk in person. <laughs> but
2: but, if, uh, but if, if we had DAOs, we probably wouldn't have as many wars.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I believe that, but let's
2: hope so. <laughs> so I'll, I'll answer the question. Uh, good morning, by the way. Morning, Sarah. Morning, Ben. Daniel now. Um I'll answer, in my opinion, what it's been like for DAOs. Completely, completely uneventful. Uh, I can't think of one major advancement in DAOs that occurred over the last year, except uh, people complaining less about them not working, because I think they've just given up all hope, um, and seeing what an unprepared uh, top-down DAO failure looks like in APE, and how um, tokenomics from a DAO, when tried to keep separate from the related entity, can drive down the value proposition and the success of any connected NFTs if tokenomics are not done properly.
0: I uh, really want to talk about uh, apes and nouns in that context, but... Sarah has her hand up, so Sarah. I just want to
3: say good morning. Thank you for the invitation. As always, it's fun to see folks that I haven't seen in a while and to kind of marinate not just on the past year, but what the technology could be pushed towards in the new year. Um, I was listening to Space this morning. As most of you know, I'm a complete spaces junkie. I love the voices of the people and the decentralized nature of you know, social audio in general. And, you know, Rug Radio is actually using their DAO to pose a merger to its owners. And I thought it was really interesting because um, like Fidgetal alluded to, it can be kind of a a weird word, but at the same time, there are these shining little sparks of awesome um, as we explore the kinds of ways that the use cases can be pushed And I'm really looking forward to it, actually, in 2024, because I do believe that AI is going to force us, actually, to renegotiate and think about these things. um, Because that proof of human piece of the puzzle has to be, you know, kind of explored. Um, There's another gentleman I don't know if many of you know. His name is Mike Mondo and he actually created with his ai a um, sherlock holmes (laughs) and they wrote a book together but they took it one step further and they created personhood for sherlock holmes and sherlock holmes has his royalties and controls his fund and it's such a fantastic use case because it is opening people's eyes in terms of what can be done with the technology and daos are now becoming something that they're talking about and i just think it's kind of exciting and so yeah we failed faster there's no question about it but that iteration doesn't mean that all is lost i think there's still a lot of light to be seen and i am looking forward to the new year
0: wait so what does Arthur Conan Doyle has to think about that Sherlock Holmes and the person oh, who See, is, this is this actually is it, fascinating.
3: Right? Okay, so he used character AI, right? Um, before it was inundated with other things. And what it did is it scraped all of the data ever written about Sherlock Holmes and kind of created this composite amalgam, uh, amalgamate I guess that would be the right word, of this character. Now Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is obviously non-existent anymore and most of the stuff is open source because after a certain time that happens. And so this character that was fashioned from all of these bits and pieces now has its own mindset. And to be able to interview this character from that perspective was a very fascinating experiment but the idea of giving this ai a personhood um actually opened the pandora's box because now that proof of human peace has to be explored and what does a dow look like you're gonna have not just people but you're gonna have your agi agents also you know and each one of these pieces of the puzzle you know kind of fit in within one another. And I have no idea, I don't even pretend to be an expert. Um, I'm just a geek that likes interesting things, right? Um, I have no idea how that's gonna play out, but I think it's fascinating. And I, I like being in the room with other people that find it fascinating too, so yeah.
4: It Looks
0: like Daniel finds it fascinating. He wants to say something, go ahead, man. It,
1: yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really, really love these topic and it excites me a lot. It's very much a frontier. We've been doing some some research in this area. We started a project called Together Crew about a year ago doing community analytics, but then more recently started working with the folks at SingularityNet uh, in partnership with this project to develop a thing called HiveMind, which, Essentially, because Together Crew was already analyzing Discord data, discourse data, Telegram, GitHub, et cetera, um, then the possibility was to put this data into a knowledge graph, which is a type of database that maps the relationship between different data objects. Uh, so it's a it, it, anyway, you can use a technique so that an, an a, a large language model can then very easily search this data. And then when you, when you do that, what you end up with is essentially an, a, a large language model that is enriched with all your community knowledge and can become what we call a hive mind, uh, which is what we're calling the, this thing that we're hoping to launch soon. So if we fast forward a bunch of years and we imagine that every major community out there or every community out there has one of these hive minds, and at the beginning, you can use it like when someone is joining the community, you can ask it, it's like, hey, how do I onboard? How do I participate in governance? Uh, who should I speak with about this topic? Or anyway, you can ask a, a series of questions. And it starts with like customer support and onboarding. And that's kind of like the low value use case. But then you fast forward and you're like, well, actually, this whole community becomes an entity on its own right with some sort of personhood and some sort of perhaps agency. If we start to give it the, the power to control or affect different governance mechanisms etc and so it's not an entity that is detached from the from the individual from the participants it's rather created by the community the moment that the community stops creating it the entity stops learning stops evolving but to some degree it is already like this aggregated like hive mind sort of thing and and you could start to imagine that different communities are selling their hive mind to each other so For example, uh, SingularityNet has a lot of knowledge on AI or our The community that we have is there is a lot of organizational geeks, a lot of thinking around DAOs and that kind of stuff. And if you were in a board meeting or trying to make decisions as a DAO for AI, you could be like, oh, you know what? Let me rent the hive mind of SingularityNet and bring all of this knowledge as someone who's kind of like an AI sitting on the board Board decision, and it might not be board uh, a board making decisions. It might be whatever other DAO mechanism. Uh, but that I think that kind of clarifies and brings it down a little bit. And that's kind of like the combination when we can underpin these with blockchain technology to keep the accountability, to keep the community governance, to make the rewards flow back to these communities. Plus the AI to augment it. And I'm like, wow, this is super exciting. Well, this is both.
0: Fascinating and terrifying. It sounds a bit like we're creating an overlord for ourselves, right? From AI. Uh but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. to be, to be seen, but, but definitely gives me a bit of a pause, but it is what it is. Um Fitch, you probably have something to say about this, right? <laughs> I see a hand.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, um I, I love I love what Daniel was talking about. Uh, I think that um it's funny. At one time, I had to explain what an NFT was to um, one of my devs, um, probably the the brightest human being I've ever met, um, certainly in the space. And he berated me for about thirty minutes as I was trying to explain what an NFT was. Um, and, and still, very few people I meet actually can define what an NFT actually is. Um, most people still think it's a cartoon uh, versus a, a, a two step receipt. And and at the end of the day, the he. He cornered me and, and he got me to say the word, it's just information, right? So um, it's, a, a more, it's often a more efficient uh, way to organize, distribute, uh, and, and assess information and then harness that information. And what Daniel's saying in terms of having AI um, accelerate that process, then organize that process and distribute that process, essentially is making up largely for human inefficiency, which is half of the problem in DAOs, right? The other half is a proper incentive models. Uh, and, and that's where most DAOs that have been built so far have been built top down. Um, I'm seeing a lot of really, really cool uh, exploration in terms of Dunbar numbers and human efficiencies that I think is necessary for DAOs and building them uh, bottom up. So starting with smaller groups, um, and, and as we, um, as we think about things like price to entry, right, um, a DAO doesn't work for often similar reasons why uh, um, democratic republics don't work, which is a separation between uh, one-to-one voting power and uh, the common good or the common will. Uh, so I think uh, you don't get into a corporation for a dollar, right? You shouldn't just be able to buy one token and therefore have a vote. There are, there are things like barriers to entry that are important, uh, grouping and, and skill sets that are important. Um, and I think we're going to see really much... See, I think NounDAO, for example, works probably one of the best DAOs uh, because it's really, really simple and in, in its, it's call to action and, and it's vision. And it's relatively small. Um, And they're making fairly large financial decisions on a regular basis. So there's a high level of of incentive, uh, a low low level of attrition, um, and and a simple mission that's not completely purely financial driven. It's also art driven to a degree. So I think we're going to see more and more uh, DAOs like that pop up, which are very, very uh, singularly focused. And what I guess is, in terms of DAOs being successful long term, is... uh, smaller DAOs accumulating into larger DAOs with their efficiencies and creating larger, almost like a transformer, um, whereby the the entire whole works because the heart doesn't rely on the brain, right? The heart relies on on arteries, which rely on blood, which rely on oxygen, which the brain then relies on, so on and so forth. So I think uh, how they're going to look and be be successful, and I think we're getting closer to the actual importance of DAOs, which is, as we're seeing, the breakdown of nation-states um, and I said yesterday, and I'll finish my rant, um, that one of the coolest things with regards to what crypto has done, uh, especially in terms of information, is it's it's a fundamental reorganization of, of humanity. Um, it's a fundamental ability to reorganize without uh, uh, political and or um, uh, nation state lines, right? And, and as we move towards a, a, a one language, a one person where borders don't matter and, and Currency is the most important way to get there uh, as we stand now as a society. So I'm, I'm excited to see smaller versions of that work. We could see, like, I think uh, in Western Ukraine it is, somebody's deciding to make their own their own country. Um, we could see more of those formed as DAOs. So uh, I don't know if it'll be 2024. It probably won't be. But I do foresee us getting uh, closer to... Uh, um, probably on-chain dial structures that are, that are governed by, by AI that have flexible uh, expansion and, and retraction capabilities, again, based on human efficiencies and such.
0: I now forgot everything else I was said. I'm thinking obsessively about someone creating their own country in the West Ukraine. I'm from Ukraine originally. He, he, already,
2: he already has 25,000 citizens and he has his own currency.
0: Oh, I definitely DM us this. I I gotta explore this, I gotta ask my friends who are in Western because this is mind blowing with all the other stuff going on in eastern Ukraine right now. But anyway, again going off topic. Um the the bigger point though, is, yeah, I think it's super interesting is I mean it almost sounds like, and I'm being super sarcastic, that you're saying that dropping, you know, a billion tokens on a billion people who don't give a shit about the tokens or the Dow and we'll sell them in a second is a bad idea.
2: Which, you know I, I, I think I think uh, uh I think yeah. I think any token drop that's based on meme numbers is inherently fucked, right? At the core, tokenomics is is an incentive structure. If the incentive structure doesn't have uh, deep, deep thoughts, or at least a a really, really uh, hyper-reactive restructuring capabilities, no, then by definition, tokenomics can't work.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as someone who wants that drop, I would disagree. But you know, someone who actually cares about DAOs, I think you're absolutely right.
2: Uh, I mean, don't... no, no, Dexie, that's a problem. We can give you tokens, just don't make them voting tokens. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that's also fair. But I'm also thinking, like, going deeper into that. So right now, in a way, when you know you, you dump a bunch of tokens, tokens, and people who will dump them on the market and. To some speculators then that ma- makes those speculators kind of the economic engine of the dow for the time being until it can figure out its actual revenue model right
2: Specul- speculation is not about ba- is not a proper balance to voting power greed is not a good power or balance to to uh, it's a conflict of interest right
0: yeah well, you are talking about separating voting and and, and financial right um, i'm just curious about the financial side of it like is it is it still preferable, I think, in 2024, let's say, going forward? Do you think it's still going to be DAOs relying on speculators to fund them? No, I, I, pop- I,
2: I, don't, I don't think ERC-20s are the proper uh, uh, vehicle for um, DAO voting, no. I, I believe that uh, different EIPs probably uh, connect to or, or surrounding 6551s, uh, and uh, it doesn't have to be anonymous necessarily, but uh, reputation, global reputational networks... Uh, uh, and abstracted ideas, if that's necessary, uh, are a better way to, to gauge. Um, like We're trying to mimic the real world, right? A DAO is yeah. essentially a corporation dis- d- decentralized uh, is the, the core goal of it, right? So uh, there's no reason not to be trying to replicate uh, reputation uh, in, in a hierarchical structure to be, to be able to delegate decision-making to the most qualified people. Um, and so uh, I think that's a huge hurdle um, that, that'll be super beneficial for now's yeah. coming forward.
0: This kind of goes to our discussion last week about the republics. And, and I agree with you. I think that reputation is, is huge and it's going to be a big trend and makes a lot more sense than just letting anyone govern or at least making it. Uh irrelevant, what kind of expertise, what kind of reputation I have, right? So sure, everyone can have the right, but maybe the experts and those who've proven themselves have more weight, and then there's incentive to reward them in one way or another and give them more voting power, all the voting power depending on the structure. I see two hands up though, so I think uh three hands up, okay, wow, Sarah, I think you were first, and I think Naomi and Daniel were in that order.
3: Well, I'll let Naomi go first because she hasn't spoken yet, and then I'll chime in my thoughts on on a makerspace, actually. Yeah,
0: thank you. Tell me,
3: please. (laughs) Also, I might lose my thought. I just wanted to pick up
5: on the um, reputation part you mentioned. I think what's really interesting this year is that we've seen more people kind of at least try these decentralized social apps. And I admit that I spent more time probably on Farcaster than on Twitter by now. And I think if that kind of continues and more people do that, then we also have a way to actually build these reputation systems based on what people are saying online. And, I mean, of course, it's all kind of on-chain. I mean, Farcaster does store some stuff off-chain, but it's still like a pretty solid way to build a reputation for a person.
2: Now, can I jump in there real quick? I think I think, and it's almost contradictory, I think financial decisions are almost... More important in terms of building reputation, in terms of their finality, um, and that's why I think fi is really a, a valuable source of information for reputation uh, because you know, your pockets don't lie, right? Can we do a quick poll? Uh,
0: anyone who uses a podcast or any version of it more than Twitter, uh, do a thumbs up. Yeah, no thumbs up. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I Matt, this to, is I, the I, wrong crowd. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I hope they succeed. The idea is great. Like Lens, Spark, Esther, uh was it the other one? Something with a P. Um, or is this great. a new social platform? Favor. A favor, yeah. Thank you, Favor. I mean, it's newish. <laughs> it's all from 2023. But the problem is none of them are gaining the traction of the uh, entrenched ones. So, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Daniel and Sarah, please.
3: <gasps> well, I'll jump. Oh, Go ahead, Daniel. Don't lose your thought. And then I'll jump no, in with
1: a tangent, It's okay. I think you were first. Please go for it. I'll oh, chip thank in after. you.
3: Thank you so much. It's You're kind. Um, what I was thinking about um, when Fidgetal was talking is more like what a makerspace is. We've already planned this out, you know, and a makerspace has checks and balances. You don't get the key to the front door until you have been tested on each of the machines because these machines cost a lot of money. And there is a quid pro quo, for lack of a better term, in using these shared collaborative spaces, shared time, tools, ideas, etc. The digital realm or the digital overlay that we are creating with this ecosystem is basically a digital makerspace and you're going to see the evolution of how people relate to one another and how they're um, deciding to share certain things, whether it's a digital tool, whether it's an idea, maybe it's a a group of folks that believe the same kind of thing. But ideally you have these systems of checks and balances to suss out folks. And I've never, maybe I'm odd, (laughs) I've never seen DAOs um, in terms of the tokenomics aspect of it. And maybe it's just because my background is different and setting up maker spaces all over the world we had to kind of pioneer a a group thing or a group um, dynamic in terms of who owns the building, who owns the materials, who owns all of these things when everybody is sharing the cost and paying a membership due in order to use these things. And I, I give you, for instance, you know, if you wanted to use a long arm, let's say, sewing machine, right? That's $30,000. Do you have $30,000? Do you have the footprint in your apartment in order to have this industrial machine? No. And there are some maker spaces, for instance, that have just, let's say, cooking licenses so that they can make, you know, jams and jellies and breads to sell at local markets because they are certified, right? So you're paying for these certain aspects, right? And that's kind of how I view this new iteration of DAOs, is that you're going to have entities that are human and AI. You're going to have, you know, different kinds of tools that we may never understand fully right now at this moment in the spot of history, right? Um, That you would show up to, let's say, one of my maker spaces with the young kids that I work with. Um, we have a whole entire room that's just green screens and fancy cameras and things for them to make digital content, and that's a completely different, you know, ecosystem than, let's say, you know, a Bridgeport or you know, a lathe or something in the other room over. But at the same time, each kid shows up and says, "Look, this badge means that I'm, you know, I'm." fluent on all of these toys, right? And I'm accountable to my fellow members not to to break it, because if you break it, then everybody loses it. So, I mean, those are kinds of things that we should be thinking about in terms of this use case, because the tokenomics piece of the puzzle could be dismantled at any point shared spaces and collaborative environments using a blockchain as the digital notary is very exciting. And so I, I kind of think about folks marinating on that for a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, Daniel, go yeah. No, to say I, I, I really like the, the makerspace analogy because it brings us to think what are the, the different forms of value that we are managing within these spaces. So we can have the exchanges of financial value. We have the different tools or common resources that we can leverage. There is also to some degree, the community, people go to spaces because they can ask their person next to them. is like, Hey, do you know how I use this tool a little bit better? Or there is all that sort of like organic peer support that, that is happening. And bringing it to, uh, uh, was talking about before of like these small teams like let's say hyperfocus, microdials. Uh, so we're essentially teams that are autonomous themselves that are somewhat open, maybe different contributors come in and out or they have some full-time contributors, some part-time contributors, et cetera, like a long tail of people. But they're still relatively a very small team focused in a very small area and how all of these different teams aggregate and become interdependent into what would feel like a digital city or uh, an ecosystem uh, or you know, an organism kind of, kind of thing, is when I start to see that it, there is a big shift in how we conceive what an organization is and what a relationship with an organization is. And that's because historically, we could either kind of submit to the organization, so we sell or labor, we'll get some money in exchange, but then the organization gets to dictate Everything about us for a few hours. They say they dictate what we do, what the priorities are, it, and and the whole excuse is we're being paid, so we'll be told what to do. And we pay people so we can tell them what to do. And so if you join the organization, you really submit to the will of the higher management, uh, or otherwise you're outside the organization and you don't get to interact with it. And with maker spaces or even now increasingly more DAOs, we have a very different way of conceiving the organization that it can be a thing that we're part of. That doesn't own us, but instead is a platform that we can leverage to do our own things. Like people don't go in a makerspace to make the greatest makerspace. I mean, maybe a few employees do, but the majority of people are there because they want to craft something. They want to craft a jam. They want to build a chair. They want to do whatever it is that they are doing in that makerspace. So they are advancing their own projects and they are part of the organization because it helps them advance their own projects. So it's the organization as a platform. And... It's not like a radically new model. Like we have had these for a long time. You had like members clubs, and you go and you can relax, and that helps you. You go and make deals and network and do other things. We have the maker spaces, etc. Um, but for these to become conceived as the main reason an organization exists is very, very different. Also, when we bring in the idea that we can influence the organization. So if we see an organization, I remember at some point, someone coming to our and is being like, oh yeah, I kind of like what your guys are doing, but I'm, I want to start another DAO to do something very similar, but a little bit less web three focused, more like expanding towards web two. And I'm like, why does that need to be a different organization? Why can you not use the, the resources, the assets, the brand, the community, et cetera, like all, all everything we have as a platform to then create your own thing? And you can come and negotiate with the community and ask them. It's like, hey, guys, do you mind if we expand to Web2 and create a sub-branch or a space around it and create a, a micro DAO that is more dealing with that part and is still part of the collective or at least collaborating with the, the other micro teams and the other collective here. Um, and that can become super, super possible in, the, in this new wave that we're, that we're doing. And that's when we can actually like, start to break down the monolithic structures of the past and build these very bottom-up emergent networks that are more agile, more collaborative, and can outperform a lot of the old structures.
3: To jump in, Daniel, um, mentioning Socialfy, I think Fidgetal had done that before, um, there is that element when you think of a, a makerspace kind of environment where to teach is to learn twice, right? So if you learned the tool you are obligated to teach somebody else, not just so that they understand the tool, but that you yourself are gaining a deeper understanding of its capacities and what it could be used for, right? So you are building this net and in the process too, you're also baking yourself into other people's business plans, right? So if you're sitting next to, for instance, my daughter, who at the time was five, and she was sitting next to a NASA astronaut and he was working on his project and he was actually folding some origami in order to create a solar panel and it just did not he could not figure it out and my daughter showed him how to fold some string and thread a needle and it was the cross-pollination of two totally different skills that created a solution and you look at it from that kind of perspective to teach is to learn twice right so um this kind of ecosystem you are now seeing in the hack schooling community. And for those that don't know what a hack schooler is, it is a untraditional learner, right? When we have neurodivergent kids, sometimes they don't fit in a brick and mortar. My children never stepped in a brick and mortar; they learned online, but they were taught in maker spaces. Right? Um, you're seeing these kind of collectives, these pods of families that are hiring teachers and tutors to teach their small little band of kids, and you know the accreditation or the competencies in their transcript are being notarized on the blockchain, right? So you're going to have these new ecosystems. It could very well be an educational DAO amongst, you know, a community, (laughs) you know, you never know how this is all going to play out, but they're all accountable to each other. The success of your, um, you know, desk mate is also a part of your ecosystem too, because, you know, we're all vested in baked into each other's you know kind of successes if that makes sense
0: yeah totally uh i see digital fans but before uh, ben's been sitting quietly there and i was just thinking about how teaching and then embedding your systems into those you teach is, is a very bitcoin kind of thing right so ben can you share a bit about how in 2023 uh, there's been more of uh implementing grants and, and other kind of structures within those that previously you know just like we just providing grants but now i think it's more of teaching them how to do their own grants and how to uh, do their own public goods projects
6: hey right on thanks for calling me in and and i got to say this has been a super fascinating conversation to listen to already so I'm, I'm happy to just be hanging out and talking about makerspaces and the importance of uh dows and decentralization and so you know some of the shortcomings but also the things that uh you know, uh, are really the opportunities in the, to me, you know, Web3 and really DAOs are more of a social movement than just a technology. Um, you know, even really the underlying ideas of what makes a blockchain a blockchain, um, you know, is kind of a combination of cryptography uh, and uh, incentive structures, you know, to, to get people to run nodes and to fully decentralize the network. And, you know, those underlying ideas, are, I think, are really the most important and valuable Part of what we're doing Uh, you know it's kind of what underlies so many of the other things and and I've just loved seeing that culture continue to spread Uh, you know somebody works for a DAO like definitely no shortage of challenges uh, lots of lessons still to be learned from you know cooperative movements and other things out there in the world that are doing this work but uh, in terms of uh, the specific question you called me into uh, around Gitcoin and how Um, You know, we try to sort of train the trainer, so to speak, Um, you know, the real interesting thing for us in the past year has been, you know, making the tools that we use to run grants program rounds available for anybody to run their own program, Um, you know, anybody can go to manager.gitcoin.co and and spin up a grants program round, uh, just like the ones that Gitcoin runs, Uh, and you know, it's been interesting to see the experimentation that comes out of that, some of the new innovation that comes out of that. Uh, you know where I think it's gonna get really juicy is when start we, we see more and more people actually building on Allo protocol, like the underlying code uh, to you know build their own tools and their own variations of, of these grant tools. Um, but you know, I just love seeing people supporting each other in the midst of like bear market conditions or like you know, just finding ways to help and support other community members. You know the mo- the best guides that we see on how to use our tools uh, tend to come from community members. You know we've seen people do it in Spanish, for example, or you know in Japanese or in uh, in Mandarin. Um, you know and like basically just take the you know the content that we're creating or even better versions of explainers and guides and you know and all that good stuff because you know it's still Web three is confusing and complicated for, you know, even for all of us that hang out here every day, let alone, uh, you know, the folks that are just kind of dipping a toe in. Um, but yeah, that's that's to me been the, the kind of uh, amazing thing to see happen is just kind of the community support uh, and the kind of cross pollination that happens in, in the process of people supporting each other and, and sort of learning together in public. Uh, Yeah. So, (laughs) Gitcoin 2023. I'm hoping 2024 is a year where UX becomes a lot more important to all of us. Uh, And my hope is that, uh, you know, if the markets start getting all fired up again, that we don't lose sight of uh, the importance of decentralization. We've definitely seen some constriction as, uh, you know, uh, things have gotten tighter and as DAOs have had to lay people off and stuff. and. Like, it felt to me like there was kind of this rush back towards uh, sort of centralized decision-making structures and instead of, like, uh, you know, really doubling down on trying to figure out how to make these ideas work and and kind of not losing sight of kind of the bigger why behind what we're all doing. I'll snap, ramble in there. I I see your hand there, Fidgetal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I love it. But but yes, Fidgetal's hand's been up for a bit. Sorry, okay. Ben.
2: <clears throat> Thank you, brother. I was, I was trying to make Dexy do his job. So good job, Dexy. Aww. <laughs> um, <clears throat> funny, I didn't. Uh, I came here because Dexy invited me. We've uh, we had a couple spaces together, and uh, <clears throat> anybody building that stuff I love. But um, uh, I haven't really said this publicly, so uh, it's also not a show. Um, I'm also not charging anybody anything, giving away money. But um, uh, with regards to <clears throat> with regards to Social-Fi, um I do believe, and I think a bull actually might inadvertently help this this thesis. But again, with with financial decision making being at least the most uh, black and white um, <clears throat> metrics for reputation, or at least one part of the reputation pie, um, uh, I've I've seen. Or my, my thesis was that social Fi is a great uh, additive to reputational networks, at least from a, a beginning from a financial perspective. And again, I think in a in a in a bull the greed will highlight even more so uh, more honest reputation, right? Uh, you can be more calculated in a bear and make decisions. If you know that, let's say, your reputation is being judged on that, then potentially during a bull, then greed is rampant and, and your decisions uh, could be more um, polarizing. So actually, I'm launching in a couple of weeks, actually, a week or two, maybe three, uh, a, a social file L2 um, that basically sucks up, creates gamification on top of existing SocialFi quote-unquote L1s and absorbs all the SocialFi information in the hopes to provide a repository to people building DAOs uh, and potentially even a reputational chain based on uh, immutable um, financial SocialFi data. So um, hopefully that'll be a tool and a repository for other DAOs to implement into their uh, decision making and filtration systems uh, so that we can have more engaged and effective DAOs.
0: Dude, how many things are you releasing in the next few months?
2: Three main. If anybody's listened to me, Sarah specifically will. Well, once they come out, she'll be like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense." Uh, three main projects with um, some other kind of uh, community engagement and, and organization uh, tools slash projects in between. Going to be using some some of the f- lesser used EIPs and trying to string together some uh, some core technology based. Uh, uh, experiments essentially, and see how they work. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna try to uh, mess around six five five ones. As a, we created a new six five five one standard that that locks the assets into the six five five one when a when a, an offer is made, uh, as well as the ability for um, assets within a six five five one to be read. Um, so uh, as a DAO member, right? Currently, right now, we have the barrier to entry too low into DAOs, so we have People who are interested in DAOs, more likely interested in tokens in, you know, 30, 40 DAOs that engaged that much in them. Um, but uh, there's no communication between DAOs as to voting history or, or accuracy or any of the other, um, you know, um, hedges on voting, whether they be quadratic or otherwise. I forget the name of uh, uh, Traforic or whatever the one is where you, uh, you have people bet on what the outcome, what's that called? You have people bet on the outcome of a decision and then they get judged on- I know uh, what you're
0: talking about, but I can't remember the name
2: either. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an awkward organization of, of, of uh, English letters. But um, uh, I, I think tools that we all create that are not, and it so I think that's one of the also big, biggest problems. It's, it's shown its light at NFT projects, uh, lack of cross-community uh, pollination. I think it's incredibly important for DAOs where uh, reputation or, or other incentivization information is, is imperative. The success of a DAO, but you don't see enough cross DAO pollination. So, tools that are, are larger aggregators of of uh, data that'll make DAOs more effective, uh, I think, is super important. There are tools, don't don't get me wrong, but they're more like centralized tools in t- instead of just like ecosystem aggregators that can be, you know, kind of plugged into like a GitHub.
0: Actually, I really want to see that layer too for, for socialify and. I could see it as part of Dexie too. It's something that's incorporated into whatever tools are building on top
2: of it. Uh, well, the cool of- part is it's, it's a it's a game thing. And so the games can be crafted in any way to elicit the 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 intentionally but un uh, uh, unvisible results, right? And you just you you adjust the financial metrics to try to elicit certain responses by the players.
0: So basically, you would have different thousand and other projects just take the API or whatever the code and put in their own metrics and then use that to determine
1: usefulness.
2: The L2 can actually be used on DAOs to, to reward or, or punish uh, actions within, within that ecosystem as well. So there's lots of ways to, it's just a human organization tool um, draped in the UI UX of, of, of a gaming ecosystem that you're used to.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, we're trying to do that with the delegates, with creating their own like sub DAOs and super DAOs that can be across various DAOs and have the reputation follow them. But this, I think, is is a more universal, more tech based way of just applying it to
2: anyone, not just delegates. that's interesting. Sarah has her hand up. Yeah, I'll I'll yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll <laughs> let you know once I'm launching. Uh, it, it it'll look pretty stupid, but uh, I think if you if you play around enough, you'll. Let you us know what?
0: Out. If cursed. Curve teaches that anything, right? The stupider it looks, the better it works. That's how I
2: found the right. way in life. Go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> also like
3: nice. well, I'm being because I'm not a degent, so I, I don't play in dabble I dabble in pirate money, but the coins and such I don't have big enough pockets for. So but I, I have been marinating on this thought of the social fi in general and how it's gonna play out outside of, you know, the legalized gambling. <laughs>
2: Little, by the way, Sarah, the, the, good, know, thing is, go the good thing is, good thing is, it'd be free to play for the first two months. So,
3: for the first two months, you have to yeah. get you gotta get the addicted addicted to the dopamine, or as they say, the fairy fart every time. I gotta you, play. I gotta play the game,
2: game in, right? Yeah, the fairy
3: fart. <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking, though, is that you know I've noticed this, and I'm excited about the premise and the underlying current of the interoperability of coins or of assets within a game right you know if anybody's listened i i frequent a space with alex demsker and she talks about the difference between a currency and an asset which i think is really important for this space especially if you're going to dabble in dows you have to understand the difference between what is a currency and what is a hard asset because they are not the same thing a currency is a vehicle an asset is something that you actually you know can capitalize on right you know that generational wealth and the Lambos and such, (laughs) those liabilities, right? Um, But in terms of building an ecosystem that is not, your magnetic north is not is pointed upwards towards a mission, not a magnetic personality, right? Because personalities can come and go. And the question of the day is, when you have these social Phi kind of ecosystems, it's very focused on the one person or the top as opposed to the bottom. And what's fascinating about the digital overlay in general is that you're seeing folks that do have a social reputation, right? If any of you have, you know, kids, I do, because I'm an old lady and they're all 20-something year olds, there are certain people they will not play with in certain games just because they're evil. And then there are other days that they'll play them just to, you know, humble them. But that social currency follows you, right? And in this attention economy, You have to pay attention to your reputation because you can't hide your tracks. You can't be one person in one ecosystem and then expect to be a different persona in another. And even with AGI and our own ability to train large language models to be the persona or the shield in other systems and ecosystems, there's still this kind of traceability. So if you screw someone over, they're going to know it (laughs) and they're not going to be your friend and you need friends in this kind of ecosystem and so um that kind of you have a learn to earn model and then you have this kind of if you're helping someone you get karma i don't know how else to explain it but i do see the ecosystem evolving where um let's say i'm a host right it's the people that are coming to visit to be the listeners that are actually paid first And it takes a strong person to decide to do that for their own business models. But once they do that and they set the precedent, then it's there, you know, in terms of, you know, developing open source tools, for instance, um, that embed your contribution into the smart contract to make sure that you're getting your kickback for participating, right? Um, And I've been kind of i'm just privileged to be there i'm charlie Bucket with the golden ticket that i've gotten to help out with a lot of projects um with the hash lips art generator um and the novella that the community wrote with 500 people i mean can you imagine a book that doesn't have a author on the cover but has 500 authors in inside in between the pages that all have up part in the metadata. All the songs that were sung by, you know, NFT artists and the art that was you know, promoted and all of the entities and the various personas are all notarized, right? Those are the kinds of use cases that I hope we foster and cultivate in the next new year. It's not about a bull market. It's not about, you know, making your bags huge. It's about laying the foundation so that you can feed generations, not just yourself, right? So I've been marinating on that a lot, and I I feel bad because I do watch from the cheap seats, and I... I'm a ferocious reader and content sucker upper for lack of a better term so when new contracts come out of course i'm going to look at them but um in terms of being a dgen um, do as i say not as i do because i've never sold an nft so if you're watching my wallet you'll understand that those are the projects that i believe in and i'm investing in people not necessarily the token so um, and if you need any help just holler yeah uh,
0: i would caveat personally from my very personal opinion that it is good to have some sort of ability to have multiple personalities just for the sake of you know, you, are, you do want to be different person to different people in different places, and if you're forced to be the same person to everyone by an immutable, uh, everyone can see it the public way, it's its a bit draconian,
3: I think. Well, I I'm it. an old lady, so I, I can't remember my lies. <laughs> it's just easier to be one person.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm an old man because neither can I, but, but just to have the ability, right? I think it's good to have systems that reward and and in some cases enforce Um, whatever identity you have to be honest and transparent in terms of, you know, you can have one pseudonymous identity, let's say, you know, Fidgetal has the Fidgetal. That's
2: that's a good problem to have. If we get to that point, like, we've come a long (laughs) way.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, By the way, I see that we have a hand raised from Doc, so I'm going to let him speak. And also, I see some good friends here, Eat Daily, the Karma Guy, others. So if anyone wants to chime in as well, I love... Our co speakers today, uh, like that's why I invited them today for the special here hearing episode. But if any others want to speak as well, of course, uh, go ahead and okay, I think I granted the request, but nothing happened. Okay, cool, let's just keep talking. <laughs> Tech, you know, I'm not that old, but even I get confused with these spaces. Sometimes.
2: Dexy, what's your answer to the question? What's your opinion of 2023 with DAOs and oh, where you see 2024
0: I mean, going? Honestly, it feels like a staging area kind of year where we're getting ready for something and uh I could see a lot of optimism about what that something's gonna be. I think there's gonna be a bloodbath but in a good way in twenty twenty four, in terms of like you said, the bull run and and the greed and a lot of stuff is gonna just accelerate insanely. And Okay, going to show us a little bit, right? But Dexi Protocol just got released. Uh, the Dexi DAO Studio that was built on top of it by the other team was just released. Other tools are just getting released. So I think most of the real new tooling, and of course, yours isn't even released yet, right? All of the new tooling is barely touching the market. So I think 2024 is going to have the tools that can take the DAOs to where we all seem to want to get them. And the greed and the pressure of the bull cycle is going to make it a very interesting kind of whirlwind of a year. So I think 2023 has been a very good kind of setup year. Like you said, on the one hand, it was kind of boring. But I think on the other hand, like there's a lot of undercurrent stuff that happened that I kind of made notes to talk about. But we're already having a good conversation. So not going to get too deep into it yet. But basically, all the governance hacks and and all of the rage quits and and the forks and all that stuff. I think it's kind of setting the stage for what's to come. That's my answer. Mm
1: I I would have loved us to be more ready for 2024 as an industry. Like, I'm I'm not seeing it. Like, I fully agree that it's been very much a year of setting the stage. I'm like, we probably still needed kind of like maybe another full year so that DAOs could really function as organizations. And like in the last, maybe like two months ago, I was hearing so many DAO OGs, like true believers, really passionate about these, going like, you know what, DAOs, is, DAOs are dead. And not that organizations are not going to evolve into something that is DAO-like, more like the early concepts of DAO, and the name DAO itself was something that they were like, yeah, we're giving up. Now, the, the bull market is now is already starting to come, or at least like things have changed a lot over the last month. And, and maybe the meme is still subsist, but... I don't think we have yet the tools to make them really functional. And it's awesome to see some of the new releases, a lot of new things being built. Uh, And I think we're getting a lot closer than we've ever been before, that's for sure. And yet, for the mainstream to be able to say, oh, yeah, let's do a DAO as opposed to doing a traditional organization, I don't think it's 2024, because we're still missing too many additional tools, like all the extensions that fulfill every single process, starting with accounting, uh, business intelligence, resource planning, like a lot of like things that are very, very ingrained in Web2 mentality and in Web3, we could probably reinvent and do a lot better, uh, but we are lacking all of those things. It's still, if you wanna sign contracts or sign an agreement as a DAO, there is not a good way to do that. You can kind of like make a proposal, but when you want two people to make an agreement, we're still lacking that. If you want to do effective time, time, uh, effective time management as a swarm, I mean, we we have a tool that's building towards it, but it's not there yet. And every team I speak with is like, "Oh yeah, scheduling is a fucking pain." Uh, so we have like still so so many gaps that I'm hoping we can still to cover. But I'd, yeah maybe 2025. I mean,
0: check out Dexy, but <laughs> but anyway, uh, I I can't agree with you. I think that. My thesis is that 2024 is going to be this crazy kind of speculator run into DAOs. And then 2025, maybe, or 2026 will be like whenever the bear market actually hits, it's going to be a lot of building once everybody's already been there and all of the tools have been built because there's been all this financial and other hype demand for it. And I think that's going to set the stage for, for building. I mean, I think we're set the stage already, but that's going to like really accelerate it. And then, anyway, I'll shut up now because both Naomi and They'll got their hands up. Go ahead, guys.
2: You can go first, Naomi.
5: All right, cool. Um, thank you. So yeah, one thing I just when you when Danielle said that we are not ready for 2024 in terms of DAOs, I just thought that it's kind of ironic that now we are back to discussing censorship on the layer once again, like with Ethereum. Um, so I guess yeah, we are in a sense we are not very ready for any of this to go huge because um, I guess it depends on how you de- define decentralized anyway, but Most DAOs still do all of their stuff on Discord or Telegram or whatever. And it's pretty easy to take those things down. Um, So I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, And one thing I'm kind of a little missing from the conversation in general around DAOs is like, how much can you actually expect a person to pay attention to? And how do you scale cultures? Because that's something I've seen so many times. And you have an initial set of people and, I mean, of course you have like your core users and whatnot, and they're really fond believers of your culture, but then you have this type of bull situation where suddenly everybody comes into your space. And at that point, often like the culture is lost. And then you lose like the initial people because they feel like now it's all just like noise and yeah, whatever. This is not what we came here for. So yeah, I don't know if anybody has thoughts on that. I think Sarah, um, but also Fidgetel had his hand up before, so you guys can fight. I'll just watch.
0: Yeah, fight it
2: out.
3: Go, Fidgetel, before you lose your thought. I'm going to uh, piggyback uh, with uh, Naomi. It's myself.
2: almost gone. Um, well, you're piggybacking, so uh, I'll wait. <laughs>
3: What I was going to say is just to play devil's advocate, um, we have AI right now that is creating or that is creating a digital playpen around folks. So if you don't behave, you don't know that you're not interacting with people. You're interacting with yes men that are created on your behalf, right? The Netflix that you're going to watch, Naomi has a different um, Netflix than I do, and they may never have the same movies ever there's nothing that connects them, right? So when you think about what holds society or organizations together, it's shared lore, it's shared stories, it's shared, you know, experiences. And in, in an attention economy that is deliberately moving super fast towards a, a hyper tailored experience, you're going to have. I don't have to go to a movie anymore. I can sit in front of my desk and say, um, text to video or whatever, use my AGI or use my, you know, large language model that I've gone ahead and trained, and it'll create a movie that is perfectly tailored to my mood, to my wants, to my thought processes at that moment. And I don't have to leave the platform. I am totally in my bubble, in my silo. And I think that's one of the things that is going to be a big issue for any project, whether it's a DAO, whether it's, you know, if you're creative, is fighting for that attention when um, your consumer or your, you know, core customer Um, has the tools at their fingertips to create anything they want at any time. How are you going to set yourself apart? And I will tell you, if you can create the origin story that everybody wants to be around and that you bake yourself into their business plan, like we did with our makerspaces, they have to show up because (laughs) that's where they send their stuff. That's their cubby of their project. And when they have orders, that's where they fulfill them. You know, there's a physical place or a digital place that DAO has to serve that kind of um role where you have to check in daily otherwise you're not going to have that cohesiveness that holds a society or a tribe or whatever together if that makes sense and naomi brought up an excellent point because it's that that's the pivotal question of the next year is how to have that unity around a common shared polaris or north star
0: So you have still traces
2: of your thoughts? But... Yeah, traces. It's not a it's not a piggyback, but I, I was going to say, I think DAOs failed for three main reasons <clears throat> this last cycle. Um, and by last cycle, I mean everything to date. Um, and it, <clears throat> I experienced one of them when I was at Arpazel. I ran into a friend. I, I'd worked on a number of DAOs over, over time. And one... Uh, I'm not going to name it just because it was failed. It was destined to fail from the get go. It just got enough funding to last. Um, and I, I was talking about it, and we were it basically was highlighting why it was kind of destined to fail to begin with. Um, and, and I think they kind of fall into three categories. One is, uh, and this is the most uh, uh, kind of salacious, which is they were created to try to avoid legality, right? So they weren't actually trying to create a DAO. They were trying to do the same kind of similar thing as as incorporating offshore. So it wasn't actually trying to be a DAO, it was just trying to say, hey, we don't have a central core, we're not subject to U.S. jurisdiction, and that makes us legal. Um, That's not a DAO. Uh, Second would be, uh, and I think this is one of the most fundamental ones, is they were hyper-focused on accomplishing a goal within Web3 specifically, uh, and they were trying to build something that became obsolete by the time they were done building. And we know that DAOs are, are... are, are being all we're talking about is making DAOs more efficient. So to try and keep up with with market trends, which is what a lot of them did, try to build marketplaces or launchpads or 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 buy and sell NFTs is really hard to do by by popular vote when this ecosystem requires uh, uh, hyper-executing and 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 speed to market. And so a lot of them built stuff or had goals that became obsolete. So. Uh, if you're fo- you're focused on buying and selling NFTs, the market dumped. And So how how are you going to keep up with that? And They failed at their core missions. The third would be kind of like the ApeCoin DAO, which is they were just built improperly. Um, they were built quickly without thought. Uh, and I've, I've spoken with the Ape Co- ApeComs and the ApeCoin DAO many times. They're they're honestly just m- much like corporate America. They're just a- everybody's afraid to stick their neck out to actually do the restructuring that's necessary, which is that the ApeCoin DA needs to be completely broken down and then built from the bottom up, as Daniel was mentioning earlier and everybody's kind of spoken about. Um, So I I see, uh, as a positive note, uh, I'm pretty convinced that community notes and potentially X in general becomes a functional DAO, uh, and that makes sense, right? It's a a broad purpose. It's not hyper-focused. It's not purely financial. um, And it it can serve from a a one-vote kind of perspective. Uh, There's no reason why Elon would want to take the heat from censorship in terms of what community notes or uh, the, the censorship on X looks like. If he creates a DAO and passes that responsibility off to the masses, then he can always say, I never made that decision. You guys did. If you don't like what you guys did, you can change that. If you want to restructure the DAO, go ahead. He won't call it a DAO, call it a collective or whatever. But I think that could be one of, a, one of the, the quickest and most successful DAO implementations, even if it's not called a DAO. I think it highlights a a non purely financial goal uh, that does not require hyper organized uh, um, governance and that can have uh, a lasting impact. So uh, again, like like smaller DAOs, I see DAOs accomplishing potentially not even web three goals, which probably is the best application um, and being able to monitor regular markets or, or regular goals as a business normally would rather than just being uh, announced dow dow or, or or anything that's focused simply on money or or short-term builds
0: do you think that for x for example this kind of abstraction into well it's whatever the community or collective decides will be enough to protect uh, in this case elon from being held in front of congress and another reputational legal um risk that he's well, facing. No, co-
2: Congress is going to do whatever they want to do because it's a money <laughs> game, let's be honest. But, uh, and, and nothing's perfect. It's always just better. Um, do I think it would help in a court of law? Absolutely. Uh, right. Do I think it, it, it would work in, in front of Congress and has uh, a, a discreet agenda? Uh, probably not. But I, I think it's a better solution than him or his entities controlling that decision-making. Especially with section two thirty uh uh realities coming around in terms of uh platform immunity, so the more that he separates himself from the decision making the more more likely that he's just a publisher um and and exempt from or or covered by section two thirty exemption
0: right. uh actually I had the question prepared knowing that you're gonna be honest with your legal background uh i'm personally i'm one of these i guess Anti law maxi is saying, hey, co- code is law, right? Whatever is coded in the DAOs is, is good enough to resolve all the legal issues. I'm going to need old school laws and regulations. But realistically, of course, it's not the reality we live in. So, uh, in your what you've seen in your opinion, has 2023 put DAOs on a firmer legal uh, footing? How relevant it is? Um, how big is going to play a role going forward? I don't think,
2: What's, I don't like, think there's been much. Clarification whatsoever. In fact, I've heard more and more from people that that their DAO is incorporated in Wyoming, and that makes it legal. And it's hard to have a conversation with that kind of dumb, which is if you incorporate uh, a money laundering business, that doesn't make money laundering legal. So, um, I, no, I haven't seen much much advancement in terms of legality. Right, a DAO is is addressing the howie prong with regards to the efforts of others uh, and a discreet group of others for the success of the financial success of the business. So a DAO's was a workaround saying it's not a discrete group of people that's that's being relied on for success. It's everybody, right? And, and I'm not sure that I'll ever get directly questioned or it'll be a while. It's a pretty interesting legal question. Um, I, I'd sooner see the Howey test revamped than a decision about whether a DAO is legal based on Howey principles. So essentially,
0: there's still nothing and probably like no, not many times I'm not protecting people.
2: From taking legal risk no, of being down. No, the, the, gov- the government will just choose but, uh, the, the American citizen that, it's, that, it, that it thinks is in charge, charge them anyhow, and then let, let the let the defendant try to make that argument. I don't think it'll hold water. I think
0: there's a citizens that could be legally liable, right? A U.S. citizen and someone who has the money to uh,
2: to be made legally liable. If the government wants citizens. to make, if, the, gov- if the SEC wants to make a, uh, government wants yeah. to make a, 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 a victim out of you, they will.
0: All right, let's, um, let's talk about something more fun than DAOs, I guess, because uh, it's not all doom and gloom in, in terms of legality. Like it, there is a lot of interesting stuff. What about, so I was looking at some of the trends for 2024, and on this website I found a few of them. And one, the first one was uh, separation of power. So the example that this specific site used was Optimism with its bicameral token house and citizen house. Um, do you guys see this already happening, and see more of this happening in terms of not just like Vishal was saying, dividing the money from the the governance voting, but within the voting itself to have uh, you know again this bicameral, tricameral, different divisions of power, uh, maybe even like having an executive, legislative, you know, judicial or whatever form. I see Daniel's hands up, so good
1: yeah I, I I predict this pattern to keep coming back up. Uh, I personally don't think optimism implementation was quite the uh, the right shape for for what we need. Uh, in terms of judicial, like having an outsourced judicial seems to me like absolutely key for Downs. the The barrier there is most people just don't seem to understand the value of it in to a very good degree. We have things like, gravity gravitons or gravity DAO whatever it's called that are doing conflict resolution as a service and they're getting a little bit of traction but they never gone huge and we are as an ecosystem probably way worse by not using more of those systems and then the other distinction is the distinction in between what is like meta governance and operational governance which is uh, another way of saying the same thing in between the legislative and the executive And trying to use the same decision-making mechanism to do both things is a gigantic mistake because they're just not the same type of decisions at all. Uh, They're not the same impact. They don't require the same way to build consensus, to discuss it, to have the same level of, let's say, thresholds or necessary friction for approval. So the sooner we can start separating these things and creating different decision-making mechanisms for different type of decisions... Ideally, with different even centers of power who are more focused around these things, the way better off we're gonna be. And the the other piece that for me there is missing is also the concept of multi-stakeholder representation. That having token holders is kind of like the same thing as just having shareholders vote in a corporation. It doesn't lead to great outcomes by design because the shareholders are trying to maximize their asset value and that puts them in an adversarial relationship with the other stakeholders unless the other stakeholders really have a voice and a vote and in more traditional governance we see the rise of employee ownership employee representation in boards employee advisory councils etc which are more let's say proactive ways to get employee representation and if when you don't do these things and the relationship degenerate you end up with unions which is a reactive way to get to the same goal, but by then relationships are broken, there is distrust, and the whole thing is grounded to a halt. If we can like leapfrog a lot of these, learn from the lessons of the past, learn from the changes that people are trying to do in traditional governance and implement these in Web3, and we can get representation of users, of contributors, as well as token holders directly at multiple levels of decision-making, especially at the meta-governance level, we're going to be way better off and create healthier organizations. And anyway, with that note, I'll have to jump. Uh, but thanks a lot for hosting. Really oh. good to see you guys. I'm really sad to not be able to hear other comments around this because I would love to hear what everyone else is bringing here. I love the point so much. Thanks for having this space. See you all.
0: Thank you, Daniel. I mean, this is being recorded, so you can listen to the rest of the recording. But yeah, I guess I wanted to keep talking with you about it. So it's, it's sad that you're leaping up. But for others that are staying, I guess, uh, what do you guys think of what Daniel said and then also in terms of does this mean a sort of kind of coalition government of different stakeholders Um, or maybe even, you know, to Naomi's earlier point, um, maybe more siloed local kind of working groups or some sort of governance, mini governance councils uh, that have their culture and preserve their culture a little bit better than just trying to get everyone to do it. Wow, I see Ben's hand up. Okay, Ben and then Sarah.
6: Yeah, I'm usually so talkative, uh, but uh, so many great people on the stage today. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to echo some of the concern around token voting in its current form um, for somewhat different reasons. Um, You know, the 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 interesting thing that I see happening and I forget who said it, but somebody said, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to decide between voting power and buying dinner. Um, like, you know, there's too many DAOs right now where basically you're getting paid in governance tokens. Uh, and, you know, you it creates this weird dynamic where basically you either need to cash out your tokens uh, or hold on to them to, to sort of have more power and influence. Um, and, you know, my two senses like, I think it's great that DAOs have governance tokens that are able to pay us, like, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I, I do think we need to look at sort of more role-based voting where, you know, people are earning trust and and sort of uh, having delegated power in various different ways. Uh, you know, I, I know some folks are experimenting with this. I haven't seen anything that like is totally earth shattering to me yet, although maybe I just haven't seen it. I know HATS Protocol is doing some cool stuff, uh, you know, but I, I think like just kind of getting to a place where um you know it's not kind of one dollar one vote and whoever has the most dollars wins like to me that's just kind of represent is just reproducing some of the systems that we claim to be trying to not be replicating and and you know i i find it particularly amusing actually in a a legal sense um you know when we talk about not selling securities but then we're basically just selling shares in a company uh and you know and, and having like uh, you know, voting with your shares, just like in a traditional corporation. I, I think we can do a lot better than that. I, I think there's ways of looking at like, you know, on chain reputation and trust mechanisms and sort of building out infrastructure that could, you know, more fairly uh, represent the the needs and interests of communities. And they're definitely not gonna be one size fits all, but you know, that's the beauty of, uh, of DAOs is that, you know, we can create them in a million different ways and experiment and, and try a lot of different things. Um, You know, we've had some little experiments inside Gitcoin with like, uh, you know, having delegated votes and a stewards council and, um, you know, honestly, still lots of room for improvement, but, you know, definitely steps in the right direction. Uh, There's been some talk of doing things like more use of quadratic voting in our own voting, which, uh, you know, actually kind of seems crazy to me that we haven't been doing that given Gitcoin is like, you know, one of the folks really pushing the use of quadratic funding and quadratic voting. Um, you know, so I'd love to see more experimentation like that in the DAO that I work at. Um, and I'm hopeful that you know the year ahead, we'll see more interesting experiments uh, floating around out there in the world. Uh, I'll give one shout out to anybody who hasn't heard of a, a company called Ethelo, um, which makes uh, decision-making tools, has been around in the digital democracy space for like 10 plus years, and is just getting more and more involved now in the Web3 space. Uh, full disclosure, I used to work there, Uh, But big fan of, you know, some of the ideas behind uh, what Athelo is trying to do, uh, which is basically like giving people the ability to uh, do criteria based decision making and, um, you know, have weight based on different criteria, uh, as well as looking at sort of votes in favor and votes opposed to ideas, Um, you know, basically just looking for ways to to kind of improve decision making uh, in a digital space. And, you know, they've been doing that work outside of Web3 for a long time, I I think. you know, they're actually pretty far ahead of where a lot of what I've seen in DAOs uh, is right now. And uh, shout out to Matthew Markman from Big Green DAO, who's now become the CEO of Ethelo and is uh, in the midst of building out a bunch of these tools as uh, sort of free open source SDK, uh, you know, for people to plug and play, uh, you know, in, in various different systems. So I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing with some of those tools in the near head. And, uh, and, you know, I'm curious to hear what others think in terms of kind of ways that decisions could be made better.
0: Just follow them on Twitter. Uh, they have very cool cover, cover image. Uh, yeah, the way so I can only speak for Dexie, and the way we address it is we do have quadratic voting, where uh, if you delegate to a uh, to a delegate, I guess uh, who's proven his expertise by you know uh, submitting it to a DAO, and creating an expert DAO or, or sub DAO, then both the delegate gets more rewards and you get more rewards. But then the more Power the delegate gets, the less the, the increase in, in, in reward and both voting power the delegate has, right? So it kind of encourages um, giving to delegates and uh, to give them more voting power and to give more rewards power to both them and you, and of course, expert delegates, but it also kind of prevents them from accumulating too much power and becoming this like super whale. For, I'm not saying it's the only and perfect solution, but that's just one approach that we're taking. I'm um, very curious about all the others.
3: Uh, Sarah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, those kinds of conversations always get my head moving. My my grandfather was a constitutional lawyer. And it's always interesting when you think about rights and you think about legislation. And my previous life, I was a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley. So, you know, when you talk about tokens and things like this and you think about the weight that is given to one voting block or whatever, you have all of these different pieces of our own understanding kind of join the pot into this big melting pot of stew and, and things to think about, you know. When we think about a democracy, a lot of times it's just mob rule. You have to have the systems of checks and balances, and it's a multi-pronged approach. But ultimately, every DAO is unique in and itself based on its membership. And so it isn't a one-size-fits-all, you know, um, going back to like a makerspace space. If I have a bio space or biohacking makerspace, maker space, their rules and regulations are going to be monumentally different than one that is just, you know, a hacker space that plays with, you know, soldering irons and, you know, breadboards, you know, those kinds of things. You have to kind of marinate on what it is your core reason for having a DAO is, right? Does it have to be a DAO, first and foremost? And what service or what piece of the problem uh, are you solving by instituting this, you know, way of governance and this way of relationships? And that's the ultimate question. And I think the more that folks talk about it and talk about how new relationships are being formed, um, you know, the digital overlay in general, um, you are extending beyond your community your your own you know house and local community in the real world and it is very fascinating because you have so many different cultures. I mean, how many different time zones are being represented here? How many different cultures? How many different backgrounds? How many different legal systems? How many different, you know, fill in the blank? And to kind of come together and decide, you know, what whatever frictions we have, um, they're, they're going to move us forward. Or in some cases, I think I posted in my Twitter feed or X feed, you know, you can weld people together (laughs) through that same kind of friction that gets really hot and people don't want to move and it seizes an engine or whatever else. Those are the kinds of things that we think about. And I think Dexie, you, um, you offer so many different solutions, you know, for people that feel that this is a good fit for them. And it's one of those things that when you're deciding whether whatever entity you're going to build, you always have to start with why, and then why it is that you're going to use the tools that you do. And then what mechanisms are you going to put into place to offer those different kinds of waiting or the multi-pronged approach to your voting rights and things like that? Because those organizations, they have to pass a number of smell tests. You know, it's not just you've set up a business, you have, you have finances that are going across borders and things like that, that you have to marinate on and be very sober in thinking this through. You know, there's a reason why uh, one of my friends in the audience texted me. He's like, there's a reason democratic republics fail sometimes, (laughs) you know, and we have to figure that out. And so, um, going to the table and understanding, you know, some of these rules and laws, you know, your Bill of Rights, it's not to protect the 49 or 51 percent, it's to protect the one, you know, against, you know, the government that's governing them. So, I don't know, it's just a combination of things, but Ben, as always, you um, have sparked a number of questions in my own head, and I love the iron that sharpens iron, because, you know, I'm not... Um, obviously, I've said it many times, a degen right? But these are the kinds of things we really have to noodle over collectively as a society because the world is turning upside down. And we are getting new tools that are going to allow us the mechanical advantage that we've never had before that can strip out that humanity <laughs> almost and the kind of fickle nature of humans um, and be able to create a system that's a little bit more fair. So I just thought it was really wonderful. Thank you for speaking, Ben, and for giving me some things to think about.
0: Yeah. Uh, first of all, I can't even imagine what your grandma would—I I would say about what's going on with the U.S. Constitution and, and a few other countries that I'm living in. Uh, but, but, you know, leave that for another space. Um, but uh, I, I like the idea of, of starting with why and and really thinking through it. My favorite example that I was thinking of the entire time we were speaking is imagining a DAO for the family, just your family doubt, right? So um, the parents probably should have more voting power, more decision power over like, you know, what to do around the house and going to the dentist and getting homework done and, you know, financial decisions, things like that. Kids may have more decisions over uh, written voting power for what movie to watch and what dessert to have, right? At least when, I know
2: your political leanings uh, now, Dexie. That would, that would destroy <laughs> the, the the family unit, no?
0: Uh, okay, yeah, well, whatever. You're, you're too... Uh, non-binary parent, number one and parent number two, can have the financial decisions. I
2: I, I was just messing with Doc.
0: I'm a benevolent
3: dictator. I've uh, never, uh, no. It would not happen in my household. Benevolent dictator, number one, right there.
0: (laughs) Honestly, personally, I don't care. I don't have kids myself and I'm absolutely open to people doing whatever they want to do in their families and publicly and whatever. Live and not live. Love is love. Um, Just saying that in whatever family unit you have, there's different voting decisions and where voting power for different members of the family might be different. And also there's a way to play with it. Like for example, let's say for each chore that the kids do, the chore assigned by the parent, their voting power increases, right? Or by each day that parent doesn't curse their their own child, (laughs) their voting power is increased or something like that, right? Uh, So I think there's a lot of flexibility and this is a very small example, but I think applying that to all kinds of DAOs, you could have very creative systems where the different actors and different um, um, stakeholders can impact each other's voting power and benefit and negotiate it in a way that... um, Satisfies everyone to some extent, or at the very least, you know, speaking of democracies, leaves the least amount of people uh, horribly unhappy, or makes everyone as as unha- as equally unhappy as possible, right? All right, Go ahead, sir.
3: Well, to to piggyback that, okay, what happens if so, let's say I croak, right? I die, and I did not leave my children the the uh, passwords to my Facebook page or my Insta page. Guess what? It gets permanently locked and my family cannot access it. But Meta owns all of my family. Pictures, my posts, my entity, etc., right? So when you're thinking about having a DAO for a family unit, in a lot of ways it, it's almost like a trust, but If you have an entity now, and this is something that people have to think about, right? You, yourself, your voice, your likeness, your posts, your images are all being scraped and used to train large language models. What happens to you when you die? Who owns that in perpetuity? Like from here on out, my kids, I've trained an LLM, right? They could talk to this LLM long after I've escaped my mortal coil. And if it is an asset that is owned by a DAO and that let's say I can continue to write my articles and my books and create my artwork and invent different machines after me as a person have gone, right? Those are the kinds of questions and they're existential kind of questions that we actually have to start thinking about because, you know, um, You know, in some of the spaces we talk about the fact that you have to have a safe word because, you know, someone can call up your relative and it sounds exactly like you. Right. Those are real issues. And when you're thinking about a DAO as a structure, especially to protect the family unit and decide where those um, funds and assets are going to be allocated, you know, whether you're there or not, um, these kinds of digital entities are also going to have to be thought of. Your digital tokens, if you have them on Arweave weave or whatever, they're there for 200 years or whatever it is, you know, those are the kinds of things that you think about. And a DAO is uniquely positioned to solve some of those issues.
0: Yeah, I think the first thing your kids will do if you pass, and this is to out myself as a heartless LLM and not a real human being, but I think the first thing they'll do is just fork the out without you and create. Dumb well, money. I told
3: my daughter, you know, I said, if if I get to the point where I'm incapacitated, push me down the stairs. And of course, my sons are like, mom, we would never do that. My daughter's like, I got you, mom. You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, kind of the sick and twisted, you know, behavior of maker spawn. But the fact is, is that you do have to think about these things. and. Um if they want to go to Disneyland with the insurance money, so be it. You know, it's up to them. I, I'm I'm not I don't need it, you know.
0: Sarah family that was sponsored by the Disney World Co- Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi, go ahead. I know you had your hand up. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah,
5: I just wanted to say there's actually digital funeral services that will go and delete everything that's online from you after you pass away which is kind of morbid, but what's even worse is that there's people who build their startup on letting you train a chatbot on your experiences so your loved one can continue talking to you when you're not there anymore. I think that's quite creepy, but um, I think you did pick up a great point that actually the question about who in the end owns the data is going to be a crucial one for us going forward and how we regulate that. Will probably decide how wealth is distributed in the world and power and I'm not sure we're moving in a good direction at the moment on that uh, topic Um, so yeah I'd love to see DAOs do a dent in that Um, so far I think we're still pretty early and we'll wait and see but also I'm always very cautious of introducing like market mechanisms into things like family units or friendship groups because that can quickly like backfire and I think there's a bunch of psychological studies as well that if you start paying people for certain things they will behave like well maybe not like friends anymore I guess you could see it as a way to find out who's like your real friend or not but families you can't really choose
3: so um yeah (laughs) Well, oh, you can't be a friend and a dependent at the same time. You know, that's what I tell my kids. You can you can be a dependent, um, but after you're independent, then we can be friends because there's a conflict of interest already embedded in the relationship. They don't like that. But, you know, now that they're 19, 21, and 23, and they think that they know everything under the sun, which they do, by the way. Um <laughs> It's always funny. It's like, I am a grown ass man. Can I have some money? <laughs> and you're like, Yes, yes, you may. <laughs> but I'm not your friend.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is, I think, literally the premise of every crypto project ever. I'm a grown ass man. Can I have some money, please?
3: It's so true, too. A woman. <laughs>
0: Oh woman, we're non binary, obviously. Uh, proper disclaimer for those of us listening from the United States of America, especially East and West Coast.
5: <laughs> or oh, maybe an AI, you know. You never know what happens in the
0: future. Right. Or an Leah like not li- li- humanist, ableist, and all the others. Uh, any entity. uh Fish help me out here. You're the lawyer the ex
2: lawyer. I'm not I'm not getting cancelled on a uh, cancelled on a DAO space, so you can keep on going.
0: All right, so uh, I, I lost my train of thought with all these jokes, uh, but um, okay, let's let's talk about. Actually, I, I touched a little bit on it. I saw there was some discussion about rage quitting as, as a trend in twenty twenty three and thousand and moving forward. Uh, do you see that this is how that's it, going to be more of it, and it's the good way to separate people who are no longer really interested, or is, is it more of just Taken, you know, financial arbitrage like with nouns. There's a big controversy, or a controversy, maybe not that big, about uh the what three forks that they had now, three rage quits that they had now, and whether it's it's healthy for nouns and healthy for for the future of DAOs, especially ones involved with NFTs. Digital, you definitely know NFTs, so go ahead. Yeah,
2: um I think I think we've spoken about this before. Uh, I think more frequently we'll see rage quitting of founders of nft projects which um inherently kind of either leads to a new owner um which i I believe tends to refer more to the the holders anyhow um rather than a founder that's been trying to appease their their holders and probably has some animosity but they have been able to do it over the the arc of the life of the project and i think that when you leave the project to the found to the holders Kind of, if it's if it's to succeed, and they don't kind of replace it with a new leader, they kind of turn into DAOs. So I, I foresee more rage quitting from NFT founders and their communities, right? Because there's always somebody behind an NFT um, becoming turning into DAOs to kind of operate. You see it with the the genuine undead, although Mason's kind of you know he's leading it, but he makes clear he's not the founder. So I see community self organization. By founders rage quitting, a higher likelihood of uh, of a reality than 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 DAO founders uh, rage quitting, and because I think a DAO would just restructure itself, right? So I don't know.
0: Do you see this happening more as a kind of voluntary noble thing of I've created this, now it's yours? Or do you see? Well, market- there's, there
2: there's only three ways to well, there's like three main ways to leave an NFT project, right? One is to sell it. Which I think is becoming less and less uh, realistic. Uh, uh, if you remember the last uh, the last round of, of NFTs; they would literally consider the the market cap, how much how much the NFTs are worth, and that's not a good indicator of the market cap of the business. Uh, yeah, they've, it's already a distrib- shame. they've distributed <laughs> those assets. It, it d- didn't make any sense, right? So there's selling, which I don't think we'll see a lot of. Uh, um, uh, then there's uh, leaving and and off, you know, offsetting the liabilities. So I'll give you the company, but you uh, you indemnify me and absolve me of any liability. I think we'll see a lot more of that as as legalities start to play out more and more uh, into the NFT world. And then there's just disappear, right? I think you're referring to the just kind of disappear. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: I'm wondering though if it's more uh, preemptive, positive thing as a trend or or. Partly, or even more so, uh, founders seeing some problem and just kind of rugging by <laughs> by quitting their own project, kind of thing.
2: I mean, the best outcome would be that that they've properly capitalized and and they can actually exist, and, and that founders either become good businessmen or the founders were good businessmen to begin with. But uh, that's kind of one of the main problems with with uh, unregulated crowdfunding is that. You're you're not going through the 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 filtration system that you would have to do in raising money from accredited investors or following registration requirements. Is you'd be vetting the founder, right, and vetting the, the 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 numbers and the capitalization and all that in the business sense and market fit. When you in this space where speculation drove the influx of money, that kind of scrutiny didn't occur. So most founders are, are not that most founders would not have received that money from competent investors and, and aren't necessarily competent businessmen. And so uh, is it good for them to continue, keep on trying or better to pull out, pull like a, uh, uh an oni force recognize that you're not qual- qualified to be running the business, even if it's kind of, uh, shrouded in we're tired or we're, we're exhausted or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's a, a net positive for the industry. Yeah, I get the thing.
0: Uh, Doc, I, I know you've been trying to speak for a while. Uh, if you want to, go ahead.
4: No, I just uh, I came up for any sort of general legal questions about the, the space. And uh, yeah, Fritz a friend of mine. And, and uh, uh, my experience with DAOs are, are sort of limited and negative. Um, so I'm sort of exploring the, the topic by listening to the space.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I mean, all opinions are welcome here. Uh, we're exploring too. We're talking shit basically, uh, trying to figure stuff out for ourselves and to kind of exchange ideas and brainstorm. So, time will tell, right?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, as DAOs, DAOs are you know popular to the extent they're popular within the Web three community. Uh, I know they exist in other places, and there's you know they're used to handle uh, you know property and uh, real real estate properties that sort of thing, uh, and have proven to be effective. But um, as a way to manage, I wouldn't say a corporate interest, but a business interest, um, they're sort of unique and untested in terms of the legal ramifications of fraud in, in all respects. Um, the, the Just the, the nature of, of a DAO as, a, um, as an organizing principle is, not something that has seen a lot of litigation and, and a lot of regulation over. So there's sort of, in my mind, sort of a speculative environment when you when you get in, into a, a DAO. Uh, what you can and can't do in terms of managing your risks and and uh, directing the the uh, uh, you, you know, managing your interests within the within the larger organization. It's just going to take you know probably a decade or two. Uh, to work itself out and even then it's still going to be young in the law interesting interesting time to be involved in all of this though we're, we're all the top half percent you know that this is going to explode around the world here very very shortly i think
0: by the way for any attention that are following this 10 or 20 years is about you know two to five uh, bitcoin happening cycles just so we're clear right uh for those that are builders it doesn't matter uh, i, w- I want to take this more to the creative side again uh especially i think sarah this is uh, something we speak to a lot uh, but for anyone really what do you think in terms of daos being used by creators and i'm as a musician, an amateur, horrible, but still know, singer-songwriter musician, uh, I'm looking at all these different musician projects and art projects and just thinking of, it seems to me, at least, that DAOs can bring in the fan base of these musicians, artists, and other creators into both the economic and the creative process of every album, every painting, every you know, set, every any, anything that they come up with and, and help them really participate in it, I, as well, NFTs, of course. But as far as DAOs, the governance structure, uh, what kind of experience and expectations uh, you guys have about uh, how the creatives are using it and will be using it in 2024? Open to absolutely anyone.
3: Well, I, I guess to jump in, um, I... I have seen DAOs in terms of big ticket items and being shared amongst the collective. Um, I've also seen and winking and nodding. I don't purport, you know, and, and advise other people to do this, but I work with inner city youth. They don't have two nickels to rub together. So, setting up a Discord channel so that they could use the AI tools that I have that I'm paying a subscription fee to. Um, it's kind of in a small way redistributing <laughs> those assets and those tools. I've seen that happen. Um, in terms of musicians, um, the NFT world, uh, the relationship between the songwriter or the creative and their com- consumer base, they're collectors, um, has shifted in a, a really interesting way. I mean, a lot of musicians don't make anything. If your song's help, you know, heard a million times on Spotify, that doesn't necessarily um, relate to you getting paid or not. But things like let's say a book, you know, in a lot of ways that was a DAO where you have a collective that creates and co-collaborates and then having the DAO own the thing that you've built, right? And then redistribute the funds as they see fit. It all comes down to one, making sure you know uh, like Doc had mentioned, make sure you have your ducks in a row because there's a lot of questions still around tokenomics. How you can redistribute these kinds of um, benefits, or however else you're going to talk about them, um, and you want to make sure that you're above board as as much as possible. Because, yeah, this is a currency. Your reputation is a currency, and if you frack it up for somebody, and they all owe a huge, you know, IRS bill. Um, And then you say, well, sorry, I'm not accountable for that. You know, it is one of those things that sticks to you. And so um, from a creative point of view, I do think that use case is interesting. But it always comes with, you know, making sure you're doing your fiduciary responsibility because you don't want to lead other people astray. I mean, by and large, I like to believe that people are good (laughs) and that they don't want to, you know, totally screw over their fellow man. But that being said, Um, greed does weird things to people and desperate people do desperate things. And when you have the promise of making lots of money without, you know, having that kind of veneer of transparency, I suppose, um, there's, it can attract some, some kind of crazy people, um, in that respect. So you do have to kind of be careful, but I do see, um, for writing, publishing, um, for art, for actual physical materials. Um, I have used and seen some very interesting use cases where they have taken, let's say, a cobalt paint, right? And you want to make sure that it wasn't mined by little children, right? Um, you can document the sources, the raw materials, how it was built, and then you can have those materials in a shared space. And those artists that use those materials now have the ability to notarize that the tools that they used were, you know, up above board and didn't exploit people in the process. I think that's really important. And you're going to see more of that, especially in a more green economy where people want to know where their food comes from, where the raw materials come from. And in terms of music, um, it can attach to the actual rights to the music, which is very fascinating to me because there are, I keep bringing AI up because I'm a geek when it comes to this kind of stuff, but um, let's say you are a um, co-collaborator with a large language model that creates your music, right? Um, you have the ability now because of Mike's project, um, your music can have its own you know, entity. It could actually be its own thing. And those kinds of things, how are you going to household them? Um, and the Dow structure seems to be something that could be a, a useful solution. But I think it's a very fascinating time. I'm excited. I love to see innovation be pushed. And I like pioneering souls that are willing to be the guinea pig per se but you be the guinea pig don't let your consumer base have to suffer the consequences for your bad behavior if that makes sense you know you want to be kind and lift others first if you can do that in my own personal opinion i suppose um go ahead doc and naomi i'm sorry i dragged it on
0: yes so naomi and doc right go ahead
7: Naomi.
5: yeah
3: okay thank you um So yeah, I think co-creation
5: is one of the most exciting use cases anyway of DAOs and crypto in general, especially because it allows us to capture things we initially couldn't with Web2. Um, And I think there's like Meta Label, for example, they are doing some good stuff on enabling um, artists to create like joint works and then have everybody earn a certain percentage of each sale, which I think is a great... um, Way to do it. And I think also um, StoryDAO is doing some interesting things around um, creating stories together as a collaborative and kind of like having bounties for people to add their own things. And then I think one that maybe people don't really have on their radar is a kiki world because it's kind of a beauty brand. So people will in crypto not really think about it much. Um, but they're not really now yet, but I think they might be going towards that. At the moment, it's um, enabling people to, you mint your membership thing, it's basically just you sign up with your email and a password. And then you can co-create. So you kind of vote on the shades you want in the new nail polish or what kind of um, fragrance it should have. And then eventually they actually create it. And you get points for that. And the points, they will give you a discount on the products. And I think there's also some benefits on if you were the first post person to vote the color and fragrance it eventually ended up with, you get some additional benefits. So I think those are pretty interesting experiments and I'd love to see more of them, especially I guess, I guess like um, in not so crypto realms, because most of the DAOs are still very like crypto, web well three heavy. And I think there's so much more out there we can do. And I think Kiki World, it's one example I'm sure there's many others we just never really think about. So, yeah.
0: Well, uh, I'm going to check out World. It sounds like a great place to get presents for some friends.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, I think they don't ship through the European Union. That's why I had to tell my US friends to send stuff to me. Um, but they've been covered by like Pop Sugar and all these lifestyle publications, which is quite fascinating.
0: What was the name again, Kiki
5: what? Kiki World. Let Kiki me World. find it, I can.
3: That's what I was gonna ask, Naomi, put that in that little purple pill down below.
0: This is now officially a uh, uh, nails and, and makeup channel in space, by the way. <laughs> but uh, Doc, you wanted to see? I something?
3: mean, it's a huge market, so. <laughs> When I was a broker, that was the first thing that they said in a down economy, the first thing that females or males at that particular time, there wasn't as many males doing it, but the first thing that they invest in is hair dye, nail polish, and lipstick because it makes them feel better. So she's on to something.
0: I actually color my hair, uh, not lately, but usually including the color that Sarah has in her profile. And I did use some, I think, German website for uh, make your own cologne kind of thing, which I have still some. I barely ever use cologne, but I still have that little thing. And I remember one thing from it is that the key ingredient there was chocolate, because I like chocolate and I don't know anything about colognes. So, like, damn it, I made myself a chocolate cologne. And if it's not sexy, I don't give a shit. (laughs) It's chocolate.
2: Well, on that note, Dexie, I got got to run. Thank you for the invite. Thanks for Um, Thanks exactly. As as always appreciate you and look forward to what you guys are launching uh, totally. or or uh doing in 2024. Yeah. Um, and and I owe you a dive into your into your stuff so I will. And thank you for the invite, brother.
0: Yeah, no, thanks man. Uh yeah, let's slowly wrap it up because it's been like 45 minutes past where we normally go, but I enjoy your company. So first of all, we need to do this again soon, but also uh before we wrap up, um still so much I want to talk about. All right, let's... Uh, if anyone wants to say anything about DAOs in general, obviously do, uh, including those who are listeners. Like, you raise your hand, I'll let you speak. Uh, but uh, like Sarah just did, showing a great example. And then as Sarah is speaking, I'm just going to post this kind of generic, but still good to, to have question to everyone who wants to speak to it as a kind of parting word. So just for fun, your craziest most unexpected or most I would love to see this or I would hate to see this, whatever it is, prediction for DAOs for 2024. You know, no one's getting judged on this uh, unless, of course, this is recorded and then, yes, you are. But other than that, (laughs) uh, so think about it while uh, I give it to Sarah and I see there's a request coming in as well.
3: Well, for me, I think I would agree with Naomi. I would like to see um, other use cases outside of crypto because I do think that there are technologies that we really do have to explore, especially in the age of AI and, DAOs are interesting, right? So that's what I would say. And I actually do have to log off because I have a space at two, but I wanted to say thank you for each and every person that showed up today. Um, And thank you, Dexy, for inviting me. I always feel so special (laughs) when I'm invited to a space. Um, I'm just a maker. I'm a makerspace person. I like to build stuff and I love being in Um, connection with other people that like to build also. It's a contagious kind of thing when you um, use your skills and your talents to build up other people and, you know, make the world a brighter place and better off than how you found it kind of thing. So I just wanted to say thank you. Your time is the most precious thing that you have. And the fact that you would spend it with us looking to your left and right, there's some incredible people in this room. Um, People that I I never met in real life, but I consider deep friends. And I um, really appreciate their presence more than I could ever put into words. And I hope that each and every one of you have a prosperous new year, that there's light and there's laughter, that you have continued health and that you use your time wisely because everybody wants it. It's the most valuable, valuable thing. And if you're going to create a Tao, you know, which I think is valuable from very many people, you know, tap Dexy. He knows what he's doing and make sure that you have a really strong why because you have a magnetic north. Don't follow magnetic personalities because they can lead you astray in the flip of a magnet. I tell you, it's faster than anything. So you all go on to greatness. And thank you for allowing me to speak today.
0: Wow. Thank you, Sarah on everything and agree with everything. By the way, there's no such thing as just a maker. We all hope to be makers here. And yeah, we're good talkers and we're great at talking sometimes and it's important as well to share ideas and learn from each other. But ultimately, I think all of us are aspiring to be makers and uh, hopefully we can be more makers. So, absolutely. And um, yeah, just a quick disclaimer, Dexy of course is the protocol the DAO, and i'm simply a contributor my name's david spelled like david um one of many many contributors many many members and holders and community uh people of I'm just happy that i get to do this and talk to these amazing people uh it's no secret that the reason all you are here is because i got to and wanted to invite my favorite um guests from the previous year, and I'm so happy that you guys made it. It's it's amazing. Uh, we got to go do see you next year. and Yeah, just loving every minute of <laughs> it. Um, I'll, I'll shut up now to, to not draw on too much, but I see Bobby raised a uh, hand. Uh, and wanted to speak to Bobby.
7: Yeah, um, I've been listening, and I appreciate that there's a different outlook um, when it comes to Cryptocurrencies or decentralized performance metrics. So it's great to, you know, a lot of people are shilling or talking about NFTs and X, Y, and Zs. So it's just a nice breath of fresh air to um, hear other protocol solutions being implemented um, when it comes to blockchain. Um, Two things I wanted to touch on is the one thing that was brief is someone mentioned about like what will happen if, you know, if you have a Facebook page or Instagram page and you know, your family wants to recover those files. Um, I had a solution that is obviously it's not um tied into DAOs, but one solution or protocol that could be submitted to these platforms is to create like a beneficiaries um protocol. Just uh, you know, a easy input solution to where, you know, you can click you add beneficiaries and you either have their email and then they confirm their email or you have like their uh phone number or something to where they can just confirm it or like you mail out a letter and then they can just write it back so that's just like one solution that could uh you know help with that just i don't know if she's still here listening but um it's something that sparked an idea because that would be great um you know if when people are getting older especially with our generation 20, 30 years from now, people are going to be in their 50s, 60s, 70s that started with Instagram and Facebook. So it would be nice to have a Beneficiaries tab. Um, And secondly, um, I was hearing a lot about, you know, um, the active users when it comes to uh, DAOs. And I've been uh, thinking about, like, other ways to implement it. And it's great to have AI tools. And I think a great solution that's going to take time is to create a DSAL. So uh, DSAL is a decentralized, semi-autonomous organization to where you pretty much, it's like when you first uh, create a Twitter profile or Instagram, you have your likes and interests, and the semi-autonomous, the AI bot, it pretty much votes for you based on your personal interests. And obviously, um, when there are things of high importance or ranking, then there'll be, you know, a second layer of uh, emergency, whatever, to where it alerts the user, hey, this is more important. I need your your vote on this. But, you know, just like uh, what someone mentioned earlier, like with kids, you know, are voting on movies, X Y or parents are voting on X, Y, and Z bills, um, that can kind of uh, streamline the process. So um, I, was, I was listening, and it's just absorbing information, These decals are definitely going to take time because it's going to have to, um, you know, be implemented with AI and learning the the human uh, connectivity of that individual person. But it's definitely a way to where the DAOs can be, um, can grow just simply because, um, you know, the your AI bot is kind of voting for you. Um, So that was just two things I want to just touch light on and yeah, I appreciate the space.
0: Wow, thanks. Both great points. The second one sounds kinda like a AI uh, virtual assistant, right? That kind of knows all your preferences and, and acts accordingly. That's pretty interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Uh, I mean I'm I'm a little terrified by those kind of things, but also very excited, right? <laughs> so it it's very interesting to see. And then um and then for the first thing, as far as I, I worked actually at a project, uh, not to name any names, but like a while back, with the project of the wallet. That uh, part of it, one of its features was to have this kind of inheritance, automatic inheritance of the of the wallet uh, by pre-appointed heirs, right by the by the owner. And basically, if the owner doesn't check into the wallet after a certain period uh, set by the owner himself, then the or whoever else the one who designates get, get uh, to, to claim the ownership of controller wallet with their seed phrase and whatever. And I think in DAOs too, it's, it's something that definitely could be coded into the smart contracts and, and agreed upon by the DAO itself to say, hey, any member of this DAO can pass on their, repeat, not really reputation, but their, uh, their ownership and their um, assets in this DAO. Um, to who they send it to, right? Um, I think we will see it at some point. We definitely will see it with wallets, and I think already starting to see it with wallets where all your assets, for your NFTs, et cetera, can be passed on. So that's definitely part of it. It's just a very grim part of it, and I try not to think about it too much, But but certainly.
7: Yeah, no, definitely. I know that, you know, when you sign an insurance contract or, you know, you're working at a new job, they ask you who your beneficiaries are. So it only makes sense for Coinbase and Crypto.com and other um, centralized and decentralized platforms to have some type of protocol to where you can just add beneficiaries. It could just be their wallet or it can just be as simple as an email confirmation. So I think, you know, that would be a huge step, especially when there's people who Um, you know like you said if they're inactive for five years or whatever which we just saw recently so this could be a weird thing we just saw recently there was an active bitcoin wallet that activated after eight years so it's kind of a unique subject to to have that type of um, implementation but we could have a system to where um, if they're pronounced deceased then you know, their wallet gets transferred over. So, you know, something yeah. to look at in the near future. Sadly, not my wallet.
0: Um, but yeah, um, speaking of, I, I just saw that Ben posted earlier about how to be prepared. There's a video with when to get a passport, <laughs> a lawyer, a gun, uh, and probably an extra, uh ledger or some other (laughs) crypto account to, to keep your stash in. Um, but to wrap this up, um, Ben or Naomi, any crazy or interesting predictions for 2024, anything you, you want to play around with as kind of, why not? (laughs) (laughs)
6: Um, yeah, sure. Uh, predictions are always fun, aren't they? Uh, first of all, that video I just posted in part because uh, there's a really good section on wills and, uh, like how to make sure that your assets are protected, you know, in case something goes sideways. Uh, also just like ways to be prepared for like, you know, if something goes wrong, that's just not expected, like, you know, ways to stay in touch with groups of friends and family. Uh, you know, what if somebody, you know, gets arrested, ways you can be prepared for that. Uh, a Deviant Olaf uh, is a, you know, a trainer who, like trains a lot of people in like three letter agencies, like FBI, NSA, whatever. Uh, uh, also just like a really interesting kind of hacker, hacker space kind of guy. Uh, yeah, check out the video if you're interested. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not much of a gun guy, but I uh, I can definitely respect uh, people who are trying to help people do it safely and, and intelligently and all that. And, you know, I like shooting at targets as much as the next guy, but you know, anyway, uh, I won't get political at the end. Uh, yeah, in terms of predictions though, uh, you know, I uh, uh, I predict that whoever builds the best UX will win. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, we definitely need to, like we always say we're early, but truth be told, we're building far more sophisticated things than the user experiences that could make life easier for general users. Like, I, I think truth is like, we could be building far better user experiences now. Um, and I, I worry that we just prioritize kind of the niftiest shiniest new kind of crypto idea over like just some of the most basic like user experiences that like, you know, people have known for a long time were important. So uh, like who will do that, where it'll show up. I mean, you know, I, I think it's hard to, to make a good prediction. So it's more like a hope, I guess, than a, than a prediction. Um, But like, I, I, I definitely am excited to see all the things that like, you know, uh, bubble to the surface as like you know more money comes into the to these systems and like all the people who've been building, you know, all the Gitcoin grantees and all the folks out there who have just been like building through the bear. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll it's going to be exciting to see what's possible if uh, you know if more cash gets added to the mix. Um, I am really hopeful that we'll see more uh, innovation and governance and DAOs. And that those won't just get kind of abandoned in the, in the year ahead as we move on to new ideas. Because uh, I do think it's it's still one of the more important ideas that's bubbled to the surface in this space. And uh, and art is going to continue to be important, I guess, would be if I have a prediction. Like, you know, I think art has brought a lot of people into this space and has kind of changed what the Web3 space has looked like in a lot of ways. And I, am I for one, am excited uh, to see that continue to be the case and, and to see what other new and innovative ways that that... Uh, you know, plays a role in our community uh, i'm not sure to look exactly like the last cycle but you know i think we are going to see uh you know more and more uh, uh you know just kind of creative artistic uh, uh stuff kind of leading the way in our space because uh, you know we, we live in a world where where memes really do matter and uh you know the people who make the memes can create the world and create that vision for the world so yeah, I'll leave it there. Thanks for having me on. A uh, really interesting conversation. Great to be here with everybody. Thanks, man. What a crazy meme world we're living in, huh? <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely agree
0: on uh, uh, on the UX part, which we didn't even talk about today, but it's such a huge thing, right? There's financial incentives, sure. There's you know various governance debates and and, and all those things we talked about and didn't talk about, but UX is still such a central topic, such an important topic, if the experience sucks, it doesn't matter how great of a of a brilliant life changing, universe altering innovation that is. Right, uh, people will not do it. Uh, most people will not do it. Yes, some people will, but you know, let's be realistic. So on this one, I have to plug. And they talked about them a little bit, but I have to plug the Dexi DAO studio built by a separate team based on the Dexi protocol. Their UX is amazing. I've seen it. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying it. But, um, but yeah, seriously, it's, it's an interesting world. And, you you know, when ben, you talk about art, you know, I'm thinking when I think of art, I think of old school art, but immediately my mind is like, no, no, that's, that's not the art. Like, what are you talking about? It is memes. It's generative art. It's <laughs> regenerative art. It's collectively generated art, right? It's uh, interactive art—it's art that unlocks various things and and uh, connects various things, and in itself is a whole experience and the whole economy. And like you know, if you look at whatever the sandbox and all of the stuff inside the sandbox and all of the different games going on within all the different art display and what that art leads to, and, and, and you know, layer after layer after layer—it's a fascinating world we live in. I think for any of us involved in creative uh, arts in any way. It's, it's, it really is amazing, and beyond the money and the art, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's mind-blowing where it's going and hopefully where it'll go. So again, yeah, thanks for that point as well, An awesome having you. Like, as, as always, this has been a hell of a time talking with awesome people, and I can't believe I get to do this. Uh, but we still have Naomi that didn't say her crazy 2024 prediction. so I'll shut up now.
5: Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't sign up to be giving predictions here, um, but yeah, I don't really know if I thought a lot about the next year. I'm kind of still in the process of processing this year, and I'm stuck in May or something, so I'm a bit behind. Uh, but I do foresee that uh, hopefully um, builders are going to be forced, let's say, by the lights of Solana to actually figure out the UX, because there is places that have good UX, as David, you also referred to the um, DAXA studio, which I believe is probably true. Um, So yeah, I think that eventually people might realize that, okay, maybe people outside do not care so much about the decentralization, even though it's really great to have, and maybe it might become even more important, and eventually people can value that, but at the moment, it's not yet there for at least a lot of the people, I would say, in like first world countries and like developed nations whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think UX might be a focus. We might see some consumer apps. I mean, consumer apps itself has already become a meme again, so just let's just call them an app that is kind of using blockchain and that is widely used by people without them knowing it's actually blockchain. Um, So I kind of like to see that. Um, Maybe it's too early next year, but who knows? We might get lucky. And in terms of crazy ideas, uh, I was just thinking, so I am volunteering locally, reading to preschool kids um, to make sure they have some literacy skills, which seems to be something that's like drastically dropping wherever you go, especially because of the pandemic and whatnot. And one of the things I always come across is that the library is, very underfunded, like that there's always no money for like these really important things like getting kids to read and I I guess by extension also to be able to kind of immerse themselves in ideas and start thinking for themselves, which I think is a pretty important skill. Um, But there's always money for like really random other shit. So I think if DAOs could find a way to uh, piggyback on those big important causes that probably a lot of people will relate to, Um, And maybe it's a library DAO or like a reading initiative or whatever. Um, I think that'd be really cool. And I definitely sign up to do that Um, and even volunteer my time, which I guess is, as Sarah pointed out, the most valuable thing anyway. Um, If we find a way to kind of bring those things on chain, I'd be there for that.
0: Yeah, public is a whole other topic that we have talked about and We'll talk about it again um uh, many times um actually, both you and ben uh here are in public goods and uh, yeah, we could talk about it, but it's been a two hour space already so uh i I'll spare the listeners <laughs> but yeah we, I think we're gonna have actually some upcoming lives on public goods and one way or another, and even possibly one on dci or just general scientific and Uh, and and similar applications of DAOs um, because I've seen some interesting things there and I would love to to have one on it so keep an eye on our calendar Uh, but absolutely it's really amazing to see innovation come from this kind of in the cloud financial teaching whatever early adopter part and then Make its way down to very local, very real world, very practical things. So, amen to that. Let's see it. All right. Um, I guess let's add end this now. It's been <laughs> at least twice as long as n- normally. Um, but hell, it's you know, it's the end of the year and it's a great discussion. So, thank you both. Thanks all that who joined in from the audience. Thank you everyone who listened but didn't speak. You're still amazing. And, of course, to everyone who's listening as a recording, uh, we'll be back with a regular scheduled Tuesday Lives on Tuesday. Uh, And every other Thursday we have another one on what happened in the past couple of weeks with proposals, DAOs stats, uh, and news stories about DAOs. Uh, In the meantime, this is probably the last time. It's actually definitely the last time we talked before 2024. So everyone have a great 2024. May all the good things that everyone here said happen and none of the bad. Uh, Let's just, for once, after so many horrible, weird years, have a nice, quiet, pleasant, peaceful year. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to shut it off now.